I would suggest liability um, insurance for the station owner who puts this stuff on the air. Support for WERU comes from Maine Farmland Trust, a member-supported nonprofit organization focused on reviving the working landscape and securing a future for farming in Maine. More information on protecting farmland and supporting farmers at mainefarmlandtrust.org. It's 10 o'clock. This is Community Radio, WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 in Bangor, and streaming worldwide at WERU.org. Stay tuned for Common Ground. Good morning. Welcome to Common Ground Radio, an hour-long discussion of local food and agriculture here in the state of Maine, brought to you by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. My name is C.J. Walk, and I am Mofka's organic orchardist and librarian, and I'm your host for today's show. Common Ground Radio is a monthly show airing on the first Friday of every month at 10 a.m. right here on WERU. We are open to suggestions on future topics and guests for the show, so please uh, feel free to contact us with your thoughts and ideas through our website at www.mofka.org. For today's show, we will be discussing resources available here in Maine for beginning farmers with a specific focus on farmland access and tenure. Recent data from the 2012 Census of Agriculture shows a significant increase in the number of young beginning farmers here in Maine. The definition used for a young beginning farmer is someone under the age of 35 who has been on their current farm for less than 10 years. The 2012 Census shows 457 young beginning farmers in Maine, which is a significant increase from 334 young beginning farmers in the 2007 Census. The state of Maine ranks third in the country for this rate of change for young beginning farmers. So one of the major challenges for any beginning farmer, whether you're young or should we say seasoned, is access to affordable land in order to launch their farm operations. It can often be a challenge if not a struggle, but there are resources available in Maine and the region to help farmers achieve their farm goals. And we'll discuss some of those resources here today. Um, but today here, I have a couple guests in the studio with me and on the phone line. But before we get to introductions and discussion, I just wanted to make listeners aware of a few upcoming food and farming related, event, related events they may find of interest here in our community. So on August 3rd, there is a tour of the Scatterseed Project up in Industry, Maine that starts at 2 p.m. and goes on rain or shine. On August 6th, C.R. Lawn from Fedco Seeds will be giving a talk on where seed comes from and why it matters, and that's at the Belfast Free Library at 6.30 p.m. And then for our listeners that are up in the county, on August 13th, there is a conservation farm tour at Good Dirt Garlic in Monticello with a focus on cover cropping. The tour is free, but please RSVP to Katie Green at Mofka if you plan to attend and she can be reached at 568-4142. We are also getting into the thick of the Maine Agricultural Fair season, so, sh- uh, so be sure to check out the Maine Association of Agricultural Fairs website at www.mainefairs.org to find the dates and events for ag fairs near you. And one of those fairs is the Common Ground Country Fair, which runs from September 19th through the 21st in lovely Unity, Maine. Um, So after those events, I'd like to introduce our guests, and joining me here today in the studio is Ted Quaday. Ted is the Executive Director of MOFCA, I'd like to say thank you for joining us here today, Ted. It's a pleasure, CJ. Thanks for inviting me. Sure thing. Uh, And also we have here Joe Barrett of Blue Hill, 
Uh, Joe is the, f the main field agent for Land for Good, Maine being the state of Maine, and uh, Land for Good is based out of New Hampshire. And Joe and her husband own and operated King Hill Farm in Blue Hill uh, until recently. So thanks for being here today, Joe. I'm glad to be here. And then on the phone line, we have Everett Ottinger, who is a farmer who farms up in Newburgh. So Everett, are you there with us today? I sure am. Thanks, CJ. All right. Thanks for being here. Um, well, I just wanted to thank everyone for being into the studio or coming into the studio physically or on the phone today. And I want to let listeners know that shortly we will be opening up the phone lines for questions and comments. Uh, but for our guests here today, I'd like each of you to take a few minutes just to kind of introduce yourself and the work that you do. And um, Ted, how about, would you like well, to go CJ, first? Well, CJ, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll go first. I'm not quite sure if I should uh, talk a little bit about some of these details uh, right up front or if you, we, we want to wait and talk about uh, some of that a little bit later. But anyway... Um, you could you can uh, kind of steer me in the right direction on that. Okay. Uh, yes, I am Ted Quade. I am the executive director of the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association and have been since early October 2013. So I think it's pushing 10 months or nine months anyway, somewhere <laughs> in there. And, uh, you know, it's been a, uh, a really interesting uh, several months uh, working with the folks at MOFCA and the the um, uh, various activities that we have going on. I mean, we have, um, uh, you know, uh, I, it feels almost like an endless array of uh, training programs and uh, opportunities for community to engage with uh, what I call the good food movement as much as the organic food movement. I, I, I think that MAFCA really in its 43 years sort of uh, set the foundation for this movement in Maine and has really enabled it to grow in the state, in particular related to uh, organic farming. Mm -hmm. uh, did you want to go into some of the details about uh, the uh, new farmer programs that we have uh, yeah, right we'll away talk. here? Do you want to wait a little bit, or how do you want? No, to you could that? you could introduce some of the some of the recent developments for the Great. new farmer so, programs. So um, uh, I think most folks know that that Mofka really has been dedicated over its forty three year history to. Uh, working with young farmers in particular to get them engaged as bona fide, want to call them professional farmers, folks able to actually raise food and make a living on their farms. So we have a, uh, we started way, way back in 1975 with a program that we call the Apprenticeship Program, which was an opportunity to bring uh, young people back to farms uh, uh, to get real hands-on experience working at a farm level, uh, figuring out how to raise food and so on. It wasn't, a, um, it wasn't a program that was designed necessarily to train new farmers, but to open the door to that possibility for mm -hmm. them. So then in, in uh, 1999, we created a, a more uh, uh, involved, in-depth training program that we call our Journey Person Training Program. And that is a two-year commitment that young people make generally. And um, uh, the idea is that we, uh, we give those young people, uh, we, we set them up with a mentor, which is really a key component of that program. Mm -hmm. uh, folks are on the farm. They've decided they want to farm. We connect them with another uh, organic farmer in the community, and they have an opportunity over their two-year or ten-year to work with that mentor to really get the feel and understand their, their, um, their farm production methods and so on and so forth and to uh, f flesh out details related to how you manage certain aspects of farming it might be weeds, it might be uh, insect pests, it, you know, it might be the nutrients in the soil, all those real details around how you uh, produce food most effectively. And so that program was launched in, in 1999, and in addition to those two programmatic areas, we do a lot of training around the state, mm -hmm. both at our uh, Unity headquarters and at uh, various locations around the state where uh, these journey persons and the apprentices and other folks from the community, community members, can come in and, and learn about all kinds of aspects of uh, farm and food production, um, uh, ranging anywhere from how to process a chicken, how to process a, uh, a, a hog, uh, how to uh, start an organic garden, you know, and all mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, how to manage uh, your nutrients in your soil. There's just a wide array of of opportunities for learning. So that's that's the nutshell of our new farmer training programs. Now, 
Um, we've been committed to that program over a long period of time, and we've, we've seen tremendous success with, with that program. So we've, uh, the farmers that we've trained, more than 200 farmers have gone through our Journey Person program. They have created more than 150 new farm businesses in Maine. Uh, more than a third of the farmers who are selling at the Portland Farmers Market, for instance, this year were trained as Mofka Journey Persons at some point in the past. And 90, 89% of the graduates of our journey person program are actually still farming in Maine. So we just think that that's a huge, uh, tremendous success. So mm -hmm. um, we want to continue to engage that program, and we want to continue to build it. And one of the opportunities that came along over the last year uh, came from uh, a, a foundation which is based in New York but has uh, deep roots in New England, in particular in Maine, uh, called the Partridge Foundation. And that foundation has awarded Mafka one million dollars to form the foundation of a uh, of an endowment program so that one million dollars will be invested and it will generate income and that income will then be used to help support the journey person program and our other mm -hmm. new farmer training programs yes. so that uh, announcement was made just last week mm -hmm. and uh, it's a tremendous boost to our organization and to our training programs but in addition to the one million dollar grant the uh, foundation said, well, um, if you can raise another $1 million over the next 18 months, we'll give you $1 million in addition to that. So we could have $3 million by the end of 2015 if we work this opportunity correctly, which mm -hmm. I believe we're going to do. And we've certainly launched the process. And, uh, you know, I could go on and on and on about these programs. I probably already have in some sense or the other. But that's the nutshell of the, of, of the news that we have from Mafka today. And I think it's really, it's a huge step for the organization. It really, in fact, is the largest gift Mafka has ever received from in any capacity, and it also launches us on a trajectory to be able to say our educational programs are part of the fabric of this organization in uh, long into the future. So Definitely. that's where we're at. Definitely. Well, that sounds like fantastic news for beginning farmers in training and education. Um, how about Joe? Would you like to give an introduction to yourself and what your work does with uh, helping out beginning farmers? Sure. Um, I. I have split most of my professional career between teaching and farming, and uh, very recently in uh, 2011, I believe it was, uh, started working for Land for Good as the main field agent. We have an agent in each of the New England states. And our work uh, focuses largely on three types of clients. One is uh, the retiring farmer who needs help figuring out how to pass the farm on. And the other, another is a landowner who owns farmland but is not a farmer, who wants help figuring out how to keep that land working, how to get farmers onto that land. And then um, we have a special portion of our program for beginning farmers. And our services can be very simple, very targeted, maybe a beginning farmer is considering signing a lease and wants for me to look at it to give them advice about what the wording might um, cover. Mm -hmm. And that might be three quarters of an hour and they're done and that's all they need. Or it might be someone who wants me to oversee their entire project from choosing a farm that fits their uh, business plan to negotiating with landowners if it's a leasing situation or with um, sellers if it's a purchasing situation uh, to you know drafting the final documents it, it can be a soup to nuts services or it can be uh, just handling very particular areas that the farmer would like help with mm -hmm. great sounds like a lot of excellent services provided there uh, and Everett would you like to give your give a, a quick intro of yourself and maybe your background in the work that you do farming up in Newburgh I believe yeah, sure thing. Thanks, CJ. Um, like CJ said, I farm in uh, Newburgh uh, with my partner, Molly Krause. We operate uh, Nettie Fox Farm, uh, which she started in 2010. Um, this is our first year farming together. Um, find our, we grow certified organic vegetables and uh, certified organic chicken. 
Uh, you can find our produce at the Penobscot Valley Farmers Market, which is in the Brewer Auditorium, on Tuesdays from 9 to 12 and Saturdays from 9 to 1, uh, as well as the Bangor Farmers Market, which is a parking lot across from the Bangor Public Library on Sundays from 11 to 2, and the Northeast Harbor Farmers Market, um, which is across from the Kimball Terrace Inn on Thursdays from 9 to 12. Uh, we also sell to the Blue Hill Co-op and the Natural Living Center in Bangor, um, as well as a uh, 60-year so uh, member CSA um, that, we, that we do through a 13-week CSA throughout the growing season. Um, so, like I said, this is uh, Molly and my first year farming together. Um, the last two years, I would, uh, so that'd be, what, 2012, 2013, I was part of the Journey Person program. Um, I was growing on a small piece of land in Penobscot um, uh, in cooperation with uh, Bob Sullivan of Old Ackley Farm. We had a work trade arrangement where I worked for him and, and uh, in exchange got to use some uh, satellite fields of his fields, you know, away from his, from his home farm. Um, my mentor was uh, Paul and Karen Bolkhausen of Happy Town Farm. Uh, prior to that, uh, in the 2011 growing season, I worked at Beach Hill Farm on Mount Desert Island. And before that, I worked as an apprentice and a woofer at uh, King Hill Farm for, for Joe and Dennis. Um, so, yeah, I guess, like you said, I've, I've, I've been in the trenches a little while, I guess you could say, with the um, MOFCA uh, educational programs, and I've benefited tremendously from it. And um, and here I am farming in Maine. Uh, my, my, I don't have a lot of direct experience with land search. Um, like I said, Molly started the farm in, in 2010, and I just sort of showed up with my bags uh, this last fall after, after closing up shop in Penobscot. But um, I do, uh, I guess I have, you know, from talking to Molly and from sort of being around people um, doing land searches, I think I, I well, I'm, I'm not an expert, I wouldn't say like Joe. I've, I've, I, um, you know, I have some experience with. Uh, I, I've, I've been left with impressions over the last uh, whatever it is five or so years that I've, you know, talked to people and, and uh, seen what's going on in Maine. All right, all right, great. Well, thank you. I'm happy to have you all here for the show today. And I just wanted to take a minute to remind listeners that you are tuned in to WERU, and this is Common Ground Radio, brought to you by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. And it's an hour-long discussion of food and farming here in Maine. Uh, and today we're focusing on beginning farmer resources that are available here in the state uh, with a focus on some land access and tenure uh, resources. And uh, I would like to be able to open up the phone lines for callers here in the next few minutes. So feel free to call in with your question or comment for uh, any one of our guests. So, Everett, I'd like to just um, come back to you real quick in terms of kind of your progression through uh, beginning farmer resources over the years and just yeah, sure. just curious about um, maybe what pieces you felt were most valuable for you uh, during, that, during that time period. Well, um, I, I came to Maine in 2009 um, just sort of on a lark. I had, I had never farmed before, but I... I thought it sounded pretty cool. You know, I was fresh out of college. I think um, probably a lot of uh, people in the apprenticeship program are in sort of similar boats. Um, no background in farming, but a strong interest. Uh, I actually started out as a woofer. Um, woof, I believe, stands for Willing Workers on Organic Farms, or mm-hmm. I've heard a couple other. It's a, it's an acronym. I don't know what the official, uh, you know, title is. But uh, anyway, they have a website. They, they basically, uh, it's kind of like a volunteer um uh, sort of couch surfing kind of thing. You trade trade your work for for room and board for uh, uh, you know a, a predetermined period of time. It's pretty loosey goosey, but um, basically it's a it's a really cool way to travel and and see places and find out what's going on with agriculture. So um, I started out doing that and um, had uh, you know when I arrived in Maine, I didn't know anything about Mofka or the apprenticeship program, but uh, learned really fast about it and, and decided. That was something that I that I wanted to pursue. So um, I started attending the uh, farmer and training projects, which um, 
I'm, I'm sure there's a, a list on the website of um, mm-hmm. the rest of those in the season. I don't know how many are left, but um, that was a great way to, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll look back at my notes from my first years going to those and laugh. Uh, but it's a, you know, it's a great way to see what's going on on other farms, learn, um, you know, a, a lot, you know, the basics all the way up to, to more complex stuff. It's a, a great chance to meet other farmers, um, you know, both accomplished farmers hosting them, the classes and and young farmers and and gardeners too. You know, a lot of a lot of times, um, just be folks from around who who wanted to find out what permaculture was or, or how to grow apple trees or whatever the topic happened to be. So, um, those farmer training projects were were really great for me. Um, I also had a, a great fit for a host farm for a, a mentor farm at um, at King Hill Farm. I think that can be a really crucial step. Um, finding a good a good match you know there's not there's not one farm that's going to work for everybody and there's not one apprentice who's going to work at every farm but uh i was fortunate to, to find a really good match um you know my first year apprenticing and and um i still uh you know uh paul schultz and amanda preventure who who own the farm now um they're still uh you know huge mentors for me and i, I still uh use them as a resource quite a lot um uh, so after a few years in the apprenticeship program, I, I felt comfortable, you know, taking that next step into the journey person program. I think uh, as a as a former participant in both programs, I think a, a crucial distinction is um, is maybe uh, sort of the, the uh, level of seriousness. I think with the apprenticeship program, it's it's it, and anybody can you know and anybody else on the show you can correct me uh, if you disagree. But I think the apprenticeship at least for me, was sort of a chance to, uh, you know, test the waters, see what it was all about, um, yep. and see if it was right for me. And I think, uh, you know, an apprentice who decides at the end of a season that, that maybe they're not that into, uh, you know, gotten chickens and, and weeding endless vegetables, um, you know, that's okay. It's a, that's a, it's a good way to come to that decision. Um, and, and, you know, that said that there's a lot of other, uh, a lot of other avenues and opportunities in, to be involved in farming. You know, you don't you don't have to be crawling around on your hands and knees or or, or have your arm up a chicken to, to be farming. You know, there's um, a lot of advocacy and educational work. I think you know, I I often say that you know we can we can grow all the food that we want to, but if nobody realizes it's a good idea to eat it, then then you know what good are we really doing? So there's. Um, uh, sorry, I don't, I don't mean to trail off of it. So, I, but my, my impression was that the apprenticeship program was was an opportunity to say, okay, is this is this for me? And then once you you are you're pretty confident that it is for you, um, the the journey person program I, I thought of more as like a, you know a, a step up to sort of a, a, a you know a preening to to really establish yourself in Maine, get a foothold um, farming organically in Maine. Um, well, it sounds like so, that was uh, definitely a, a good well, progression. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, okay. I just wanted to say it sounds like a good, a little static. A good progression of uh, kind of educational opportunities. And I believe we do have a caller coming in. So, caller, if you could give us your name and the town from where you're calling, and then go ahead with your question or comment. Yep, uh, I'm Ivor, and I'm calling uh, right now. I guess from uh, around Blue Hill, but I live in uh, Skowhegan in the winter, and then one pound in the summer and i've been involved in agriculture for probably about 20 years in different ways right now i have a um small uh maple maple sugar operation with a friend and it's about 20 acres we have tubing and stuff like that but anyway the biggest thing i have found especially for remote farming operations biggest concern is um security Mm-hmm. I've found, you know, you, I mean, especially maple sharpening, you have that big stainless steel evaporator. You have all this different stuff in there that's kind of tempting to people. And uh, I kind of think, uh, so I had a, I uh, joined Mafia briefly for about a year, a year or two, and then I had a, um, a little seminar on uh, farm security or sugar ash security. I didn't get any interest at all from Mafia, but Swarm kind of backed me up. So uh, I'm kind of going with Swarm. But... I just want to say that that is a major consideration because uh, I have two or three friends who are farmers, and uh, one guy came in and people were stealing copper right out of his house um, right when he got there, so he called the cops and got him busted. But 
I think it's a major consideration for uh, those of us who are trying to make a little bit of our living off of land. Okay, so I wonder if people could comment on that. Yeah, um, we have another caller that's on the line, so we're going to let that caller through, and then we'll get back to your questions about farm security. So thank you for calling in. And um, our next caller, please give us your name and the town from where you're calling, and go ahead with your comment or question. Uh, my name is Ted Carter, and I live in Alexander the Rain, and my wife and I run After the Rain Farm. And um, just a couple of comments and then a question. Um, I read recently about a man named Jonathan Foley in the Bangor Daily, who's a resident and a scientist, and he, two quotes stood out. He said, Maine is a cool laboratory in thinking about food, and I think Maine is punching, is punching way outside its weight class when it comes to agriculture. And I couldn't agree more. And um, I just uh, you're talking about farmland acquisition and resources for farmers. Up here in Washington County, um, right now we have up and running at the Sunrise County Economic Council a small uh, microloan ag loan fund for loans of $500 to $10,000 for small farm and food production. And then I would also like to comment on the Partridge Grant because um, Family Foundation donation because I'm involved with that with Ted Quaday and Mosca. And this is just a wonderful opportunity for Maine to really keep in the forefront and it will help with economic development of rural areas, repopulating, bringing good food locally throughout the state, and better health results. And it's just a real opportunity. So I would just urge any listeners that you have um, listening and other people who are interested in this to consider um, becoming part of this um, matching grant. It is really important for our future. And Maine, we can be like our state motto is zero go we are the leader in this area and we can continue so and there's other things happening up here in washington county some announcements to be made in the fall so keep us in mind way down east and thank you for doing this show it is very much appreciated okay thank, it. <laughs> okay thank you for calling in ted great uh thanks ted we appreciate your endorsement and your ongoing support of our uh, uh new farmer training programs and also uh, the the emphasis on the Partridge Grant, which is, as you say, very significant for the organization. I think, uh, you know, I, I, I want to tee off on the, the comment you made about Mofka sort of way out of its weight class, but really, really uh, doing some, uh, some incredible work that is uh, noticed nationally, as a matter of fact. Uh, Mofka's journey person training program is actually a model that's been adopted in a number of other states and with a number of other organizations as a really crucial element of the overall uh, approach to bringing new, younger, organic farmers into our overall farm and food system. And in Maine, we believe that we are having significant impact there. When you look at the numbers, you'll hear that nationally there are fewer and fewer farmers all the time. And actually in Maine, uh, in the uh, 2000 census, there were 7,000 farms in Maine, and the most recent census, which was taken in 2012, and the data was released just a month or two ago, we now have 8,176 farms generally in the state. So we're making progress on that front. The overall number of acres in farming has increased 8% over the last five years, and the value of the crops that we're producing has risen 24% over that same time frame. Most significant, I think, or one of the really significant aspects of this is the number of younger farmers in Maine is way ahead of the national average. In the past five years, the number of farmers aged 34 and younger has increased by 40% in Maine from 396 to 551 young farmers. That's a huge increase. Mm -hmm. And we, we believe at MOFCA that we've played a significant role in bringing those folks in through our apprenticeship program and through the uh, journey person training program, really giving folks the tools they need to be able to be successful on the farm, not just in the planting uh, arena and the crop production arena, but in the business planning uh, element as well, which we think is absolutely crucial in this uh, uh, market uh, economy that we live in to, to really enter into the farming process with 
business understanding as well as farm and food production understanding. So, um, yeah, uh, Ted, we really have made progress. We really are making a difference uh, both in Maine and nationally. And uh, the 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 pledge and the gift from from the Partridge Foundation will just really enable us to take that one step further and, and continue to build the overall ag economy here. That's great. That's great. And it seems like just kind of continue on the increase in farms and farm activity. I imagine, Joe, that finding land to farm and, and land to work on might be a challenge for some. When beginning farmers are polled about the barriers that they face Number one, like far above anything else, is secure tenure on land, mm -hmm. whether that's you know through a lease or from purchasing. Uh, it's um, it's a real dilemma for farmers because food prices in the United States are, even though people complain about their grocery bills, and I know that they are high, food prices really don't reflect the true cost of production in in many ways, and so farmers who steward the land well, who treat their workers well, who treat their animals well, um, have an expense to meet. Mm -hmm. And land is a huge part of that expense. It's, it's the greatest part of that expense. And so these farmers are getting low food prices because of what the market, um, you know, reflects in terms of all the subsidies and, um, shall we say, exploitation by large ag that allows them to keep their food prices low. And yet land prices are so high that there's this big disconnect between how much money a farmer can make and how much they have to spend just to be on land. Mm -hmm. And so affordable land and secure tenure on that land is the greatest barrier to farming period and particularly to beginning farmers. So, and by the way, the second one, in case you're interested, is affordable health care. <laughs> yeah, no surprise there either. I imagine that would be common with most folks. Yeah, yeah, probably so. <clears throat> um, so this is a real dilemma, I think, in our society. And if we want to keep eating well, if we want healthful food produced for us, and if we want our land stewarded well, uh, we really need to get serious, I think, as a culture in terms of making sure that farmers can afford land and can have secure tenure on land. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I believe we have another caller that's called in. So, if caller, you could go ahead and give us your name and where you're calling from and go ahead with your Hey, my name is Sarah. I'm calling from Unity. Hello, Sarah. Thank you for calling in. I was just calling to, um, to remind folks that there is a great shared-use farm equipment program, that it's a program of Maine Farmland Trust and MOFCA. Mm -hmm. um, there are, for new farmers or any kind of farmer, there are some pieces of equipment that you can borrow. Um, seedbed cultivator, a two-shank subsoiler, plastic mulch layer, and some other stuff. Um, it's a membership program um, that costs $100 per farm annually. And um, the person to learn more about that program from is named Mike Gold. You can get a hold of him at 338 6575 or mgold at org, And probably somebody that's in the studio can also tell you more about that program as well. Okay, Sarah, thanks for calling in. Thank you. Sounds like another great resource for, uh, for beginning farmers. Um, so in the, in the broader picture, I think, in terms of resources, there's also a new kind of... Uh, group or collaborative effort that's the Beginning Farmer Resource Network that has started up here in Maine. And um, Joe, do you want to maybe add a little bit to background to the BFRN? I would love to. Okay. I'm very proud to uh, say that the um, agriculture service providers of Maine realized um, as a group that we didn't know a lot about what the other ones did and that when we're working with beginning farmers, we like to refer them to someone in the state who can best serve their needs, but we didn't know enough about what the other organizations were doing. So in the fall of 2012, we established the Beginning Farmer Resource Network, and it's it's been great. We have um, annual programming at the Maine Agricultural Trade Show, uh, educational workshops, and um, 
offer a lot of support to beginning farmers. I, I'll, I'll give you a sampling of who's in it. Um, Cultivating Community, Farm Credit of Maine, um, of course, Land for Good and MOFCA and Maine Farm Land Trust. Um, the University of Maine Cooperative Extension has a huge presence in it. The Soil and Water Conservation Districts are there. Uh, Farm Bureau belongs, uh, Maine Sustainable Agriculture Society. So by forming this network, A, we learned a lot about what each other offers so that we can really target um, our references, you know, pointing farmers in the right direction to get the help that they need, no, no matter which one of us they call. Mm -hmm. We can point them in the direction they need to go. <clears throat> and the other thing is that we've been able to collaborate on great educational programming and a really useful website. So I encourage people to Google either BFRN or Beginning Farmer Resource Network of Maine. And I could also um, leave the web address here with the station if you wanted to... Um, find out how it's, it's rather long. I won't rattle it off right now. But I think if you just Googled Beginning Farmer Resource Network, Maine, you'd, you'd get there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Everett, I wanted to ask you in terms of, um, you know, your, your beginning years and uh, just recently getting onto a farm with your partner, Molly. Uh -huh. I'm just wondering about other... You know, are there other services, maybe other parts of the Beginning Farmer Resource Network that you guys have tapped into? Um, well, yeah, um, I think uh, a really, you know, uh, my generation of farmers has had to be really creative because, like Joe said, um, the price of land has has risen, uh, you know, the the inflation of land prices has been much more dramatic than than um, than a lot of other costs, and it's it's like a huge consideration looking at, at getting access to land. So my generation has had to be really creative in, in sort of devising new ways. You know, the, when you when you talk to the uh, back to the landers and, and folks who who started farming, um, you know, in the 70s or 80s, uh, you know, they talk about being able to save up for a few years and um, and then, you know, come up to Maine and buy a derelict farm for a song. And uh, mm -hmm. you just can't do that anymore. It just doesn't happen. So, um, you know, unless unless you have inherited land or uh, are coming into farming um, with, you know, independent wealth, uh, yeah, you have to get you have to get creative. And a lot of that can be sort of like uh, the stuff like Joe was talking about, like, Pat, you know, um, uh, support mortgages for retiring farmers who don't have family who are going to uh, take on the farm. Um, the way Molly got her, her farm was through uh, a loan from the FSA, the Farm Service Agency. And um, I would encourage anybody who, who wants to, you know, own their farm outright at some point um, to, to contact them. Uh, they're really good. They're really friendly. Uh, you know, there's... Um, they're, they're, they're very open to, to you know, their, their job is to, is to help you figure stuff out. I don't th it's, it's really easy to get intimidate, intimidated by um, things like mortgages and, you know, the, the vast sums of money that are involved in, uh, in getting a piece of land, especially, you know, a working farm. So, um, you know, for, for young folks like me, uh, I think, you know, don't be shy about asking for help, about getting guidance. Um, the FSA is... is is uh is how molly went about that she also um tapped into the uh no small potatoes farm loans um but uh yeah and a, another thing i would encourage um anybody searching for land to do is is uh kind of broaden your horizons i think a lot of times like the, the fellow from washington county who called in um you know a lot of maine's best farmland is inland and upstate you know Mm -hmm. um, there's there's gorgeous you know vibrant farms up in Aristic County that I think and and not just Aristic County but um, you know out in the in the in the boonies that I think are probably really overlooked and you know dairies that are gonna that are nobody's gonna take over that um, you know it's really great farmland and I know the the coastal Maine and, and the Route One corridor are attractive because the market is so good but. Um, I think it's also worth considering that there's a much better year-round market. The population base might not be so great, but uh, I think a lot of folks, um, 
farming the way we do, you know, not feeding entire cities or feeding small communities, and and that's what's inland. So, mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, people people looking at acquiring land um, really take the. You know, I, I would encourage anybody to, to take the whole state into consideration. Um, one other one other thing I was going to say about uh, uh, things like the FSA and and um, you know getting leases and or mortgages or, or whatever. Um, I I have always been extremely debt averse. I didn't I didn't like the idea of um, you know owing money on a on a monthly basis and or a yearly basis or however it's arranged. But I think that that's a phobia that uh, it's it's just a, a a reality. And there there are ways around it. There are creative ways around it. But um, uh, you know that's that's something that that you just have to get over. And, and Molly went through that struggle of of just saying, okay, you know what, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna, you know, you just have to step off that ledge, and, and so far it's it's been great for us. I mean, we're we're on this land. Molly's been on this land since 2010, and we're making it work, and we can do what we want with it, and we we don't have to answer to anybody except for except for the bank once a month. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'd like to um, let's just take one second <clears throat> to remind listeners that they are tuned into WERU, and this is Common Ground Radio, mm-hmm. and today we have with us. Ted Quade from Mofka and Joe Barrett from Land for Good and Everett Ottinger from uh, Nettie Fox Farm up in Newburgh. And I want to remind callers that the call-in number is 1-866-625-9378. And that's 1-866-625-9378. So, um, yeah, you I, have a comment? I, I, let me jump, jump in on that, uh, on the comments that Everett made related to uh, loans and loan, loan-type programs and that sort of thing. And, of course, Joe is the expert on, the, on, on these kinds of programs. Uh, I am sort of an observer in a, in a sense. But I, I would say that uh, uh, supporting those kinds of programs at the federal level and at the state level, loan programs, low-interest loan programs, grant programs to – uh, get young farmers, uh, give them a jump start when they're trying to enter this business is really a valuable piece of the overall policy picture that the state and the federal government, uh, they, they do some of it, they need to do more. And I think that uh, that's a piece of, of the work that uh, MAFCA will continue to be thinking about doing over time, advocating for those kinds of programs at both the state and federal level. And uh, uh, I think they're crucial to... Uh, giving these young farmers an opportunity to get rolling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd like to jump in and follow up on Everett's <clears throat> comment about FSA too, also members of Beginning Farmer Resource Network. And uh, Donovan Todd is the state director uh, for, you know, for Maine FSA, and he has the greatest attitude about helping farmers and just figuring out a way to make it happen. Mm-hmm. It's very admirable and, and um, inspiring. And um, I encourage beginning farmers to establish a relationship with FSA right from the beginning, even if it's just financing a rototiller. Uh-huh. Like, so, even if you can afford to buy the rototiller outright, establish a relationship with them, knowing that you have maybe money in your savings account that you can make your payments with, just to get in their record system and mm-hmm. become credit worthy in their eyes. It's a, I know I'm not encouraging people to go into ruinous debt, not at all, okay. but I do think it's really important to start small and get established so that when you do find the farm, your first loan, isn't that huge loan that you're asking for that you're a known quantity and that you you understand the system. Mm-hmm. So, and, and they're great. Everett's right. They're great people to work with, and they really just want to see farmers succeed. It really comes down to establishing a credit history over time, so that when lender, when you do go to lenders, they can look back at some uh, evidence that you've been able to meet your obligations throughout that whatever the time period is, and, and it just makes it that much easier to you know inc- increase the level of opportunity. Basically, is the way I would look at it uh, when you when you're going in to talk with your banker. And they're very good about guiding farmers to keep them from getting into credit trouble. Good too. That's so. Good to know. Well, I believe we have another caller on the line. So, caller, if you could give us your name and the town from where you're calling and go ahead with your comment or question. Yes, good morning. My name is Anne. I'm calling from Orono. Can you hear me? Yes, Anne. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I 
would like to suggest that along with land trusts, um, inheriting a farm, uh, encouraging an older farmer to sell at a reasonable price, and all of that, that people consider the possibility of doing some of the things we used to do back in the day, which is to get together and create um, an intentional farm small community with separate buildings for people who have families and to create a sort of a land trust or a farm trust that has the legal mechanisms for a revolving door. Mm-hmm. And that way, um, a lot of young farmers or even people who are older could share the costs and also know what the legal ramifications are in almost any direction of acquiring land, paying taxes, and dealing with a bank. Um, the time has come for people to, to do more collaborative work, truly, more collective work, truly, than ever before, because the so-called market economy is on its way down, and we need to build up infrastructure and resources. So I know that a lot of the young people would love to have their own farm, but I also know that they're not that bad at getting together. So it takes a little bit of re-education on the part of the system and the people who would like to try and just have that lifestyle and provide that service for the greater good and for the society. That's all I have to say. All right, you know, thank you for calling in. Yeah. Let me go ahead and just quickly comment. I love that idea, and I think it's uh, it's it's one of the models that's out there. It, it it exists in a lot of different places around the country. I'm sure there are places in Maine where that model is actually in use today, and uh, it's you know it's a matter of. Um, uh, does it work for you or does it work for the group of people that you're working with? And uh, finding ways to be cooperative and collaborative and it, it is certainly one of the answers to the challenges that folks face in getting access to land. So, uh, you know, mm-hmm. kudos to to the, uh, I think it was Anne who, who was made Anne. those comments. Yeah. yeah, I think today's generation of young farmers is, is far better than former generations at um, collaboration and cooperation and, mm-hmm. you know, work parties, pooling their resources, having multi-operator farms. I think that they really are open to this. And as Everett said, you know, there's a, there's a need to be more creative. It's, it's not the old wait till Pappy dies and take over the farm mm-hmm. scenario that it was at one time. Mm-hmm. And I think the creativity piece is really interesting as well as it seems that people are recognizing the need for community and, and coming together. I think Everett mes- mentioned some of the Mofka-related activities that were really focused on bringing farmers together and, and getting them all in one place, as well as this beginning farmer resource network, realizing that, hey, we're all kind of shooting towards the same goals here. Let's, let's work together to achieve them. So it uh, looks like we have another caller on the line. So caller, you could go ahead and give us your name and the town from where you're calling and your comment or question. No caller, are you there? Uh, is it me? Hello, could we have your Not name? Not coming on very well. Okay, could we have um, your name please? My name's Ivor, I'm calling again from uh, on the way from Swans Island and also Skowhegan. Okay, Ivor, you're kind of breaking up here. Yeah, I don't know why it's breaking up so weirdly. Okay. But uh, I just gotta say that I think bootstrapping is the way to go. That, what was that? Bootstrapping? I think bootstrapping is the way to go because the business that you're in doesn't really support a big loan. So okay. that's my opinion. Bye. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, there speak- are always those who will, are going to be able to make that work for them. And, uh, you know, building a, a farm from the, from the, uh, f- from the base, for, uh, you know, doing your own work and uh, finding ways to acquire equipment and all of that, uh, it's, it's, it's all a, a good way to get things going. But, uh, you know, some folks are going to move in a different direction, and the, the survival of those programs that we rely on to make that happen are pretty crucial. Mm-hmm. Well, whether or not to take on debt is a very personal decision. Yes. And it works for some people and it doesn't for others. But I I think that there are definite paths to follow if you do choose to seek financing. Mm -hmm. And it seems like the creativity piece comes in. And Joe, you mentioned affordable and secure land access as being one of the issues. Um, I think we have another caller, but I just wanted to ask about creative creative opportunities. Hello, caller. Um, Can you give us your name, please, and from where you're calling? 
Uh, this is Eli from Washington. Hello, Eli. Hey, I just had a, call, a question on a comment, rather, about the um, starting a record um, with the with the loan in particular. But I actually, my point was more about the labor end of the equation. And uh, even when you're not considering buying land, but you're working towards it, I think there's some tools we need to start to develop mm-hmm. to um, allow young workers in the field of farming and forestry and fisheries a way to build um, build a, a resume, essentially, and and codify the networks that are out there and will be need to be out there in the future. So I'm looking forward to um, to establishing something like that with with interested people. Um, a labor log for the worker um, can help to build the networks that we need to build for future employment and consistent employment for the farmers out there. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, good comment, Eli. I think that anything that you can document, whether it's um, your your sweat equity, you know, the labor that you've put into something, and um, also, you know, saving those receipts and keeping track of expenditures and uh, keeping track of income, any way that you can document what you've been, what's been kind of going through your farm in terms of money and energy is very important down the road. Mm-hmm. So how about some of the... Um the creative opportunities. Oh, it's so, it's really fun to see what people come up with as a way to get onto land. I mean, sometimes it's a very simple thing like um, trading uh, a CSA share for the use of a field. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's pretty easy to, to take care of. And there's some really simple things like that. But then I'm working with somebody right now on this absolutely fascinating project of uh, letting young farmers farmers gain equity over the years and not go into debt in order to acquire a farm. They, the, the folks are considering forming an LLC that would own the farm and having the senior farmers own all the equity at first and letting the junior farmers buy equity a little at a time, either through labor or through cash. And they don't have to go get a loan. They can just gradually own more and more and more of the farm over the years. And it's it's very complex. It's quite groundbreaking. It's based on co-housing models. Uh, but it's 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 really exciting to be a part of this project. And I, I'm really hoping that it's a huge success and that other people can use it um, as a model. It sounds really interesting. If that's a way to gain access on land without going into debt, and then maybe they would be able to u- utilize some of their capital or other resources for, say, equipment or. That's right, and and activities. the senior farmers, but in the meanwhile, have some income because every time the younger farmers buy some equity, that provides income for the senior farmers as they phase out of their farming career. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. All right, um, I just wanted to give callers the number again, which is one 625 9378 And we're here in the studio today talking about resources for beginning farmers, and seems to be at the base of that is really the access to land and uh, secure access to to land for sure. Um, Ted, I wanted to ask about some of the business and marketing opportunities that are available for farmers um, through maybe the Journey Person program. Are there things? The, the training pieces? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, Everett probably has a better uh, sense of that having gone through those programs th- than I do, but I do know there are opportunities there for, um, uh, you know, folks to, to I, I would say, hone their business plan. We bring experts in and make mm-hmm. them available to the journey persons and to the apprentices as well and any, anyone else who wants to sign up and uh, uh, take part in those workshops uh, where we try to give them the tools they need to do analysis about how they're, you know, whether they're going to create a profit-making business or not. And mm-hmm. So it's, it's a pretty important piece of the overall picture that maybe past generations didn't quite approach it that way. Not, not entirely certain of that, but I would guess that uh, in today's, um, today's world, one of the interesting things that's happening, I think, is that young farmers are coming onto their land with more entrepreneurial ideas about 
how they are going to market their their product. It's uh, some of it is uh, direct marketing through farmers markets or CSA type programs or even direct sales right off the farm, and then they're thinking, well, maybe I can create my own label and sell it at my own little um, farm stand or a small grocery that's uh, in in the local community. So they're 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 thinking of maybe processing some of their production. Uh, adding value to it and then marketing it as a separate entity. So all of those things are percolating out there and some folks are making a tremendous success of that approach to farming. Mm-hmm. And I think there's there's real opportunity there to grow, especially at the local and uh, sort of regional level. Mm-hmm. And, and Everett, I wanted to ask you about um, if you and Molly have been able to access some of the business and marketing sides of things. And uh, also just a note to all of us that we're we're getting towards the end of the show, but um, I yeah, just wanted to hear from you one more time, Everett. Yeah, uh, both Molly and I spent a, a long time working on farms, um, you know, before we went out on our own. And I think, you know, just paying attention to, uh, you know, what kind of things sell, what don't, where, what, what kind of demand there is in the market, um, what business models make sense. Um, you know, I think uh, farmers by nature are... are are kind of always looking and learning and and you know it's not just about weeds and and whatever it's um you know you you you, you gotta you gotta make a buck um yeah. you know the if your farm isn't economically sustainable then it's not sustainable um so yeah i think just uh experiential learning played a big part um this last winter we took a business planning course through mafka that uh met once a month it's taught by abby sadaskas and um I, I believe it was just offered to journey people. I think it's, it was part of the journey person program. And was um, that the farm know, beginning? That, was that the farm beginnings course? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, and it was, uh, you know, just a, a extensive workshops on um, on uh, you know a lot of the the nitty gritty. You know, what do I want out of this? How am I going to get it? Um, you know, does this make sense? What I'm doing and and how I'm doing it. Uh, and so that was, you know, it was it was good to, um, you know, take a, a sort of clinical approach to, to what we're doing rather than just going out and throwing a bunch of seeds in the ground. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like in a more competitive marketplace, you do need to have that kind of business and marketing side yeah, pretty absolutely. well thought out. And that really is the basis for why that program is offered that way. It's, it's to give, give folks who are entering that the, the farming arena uh, a really strong sense of, you know, what the, what the decision-making process should look like around a, a, a new product, for instance, or a new mm-hmm. uh, crop that they want to grow or, you know, whatever it is that they're trying to develop. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have just a few minutes left in the show, so I wanted to give – kind of a last-minute uh, closing thoughts or at least contact information. So, Joe, if people are interested in, in getting in touch with you, how would they be able to find you? you uh, email is the best. It's joe at landforgood.org. That's J-O-L-A-N-D-F-O-R-G-O-O-D.org. Um, anything you want, if you just want to inquire about the scope of services or really anything at all, do please send an email. Okay. And for, you know, for, for, for me, I think mofka.org is the best place to go for information that can certainly lead you to the office and, uh, and, the, and the right connections at, at Mofka. We offer a number of programs in a number of different areas and, and uh, you know, finding your way through that, um, that, that network would be the, probably the quickest way to get answers mm-hmm. out of, uh, from Mofka. Okay. Um, and Everett, I just want to give you one last chance to yeah, maybe sure. a, a, 30, so. a thirty second blurb here before we go out. Yeah, I don't, well, I don't know. I don't have a whole lot to say, but um, <laughs> yeah, if anybody, I don't know why you would want my help, but if you did, you can you can find us on uh, nettyfoxfarm.com, or we've also got a Facebook page, uh, Nettie Fox Farm. That's N E T T I E F O X Farm. Okay. Well, maybe someone will want some veggies or chicken from you yeah, guys. Yeah, sure. Yeah, give so, us a jingle. Okay. Um, well, we are getting to the end of the show here, and I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to Common Ground Radio. I'd like to thank our guests, Ted Quade and Joe Barrett and Everett Ottinger, for joining us today. 
And I'm your host, CJ Walk. I'd like to thank Joel Mann for engineering the show. And remember, you can find us here at Common Ground Radio the first Friday of every month at 10 a.m. on WERU. Support for WERU comes from the Hamden Farmer's Market, providing local, farm-fresh vegetables, beer and wine, artisanal cheeses, grass-fed meats, cut flowers, seedlings, baked goods, and more. Fridays from 2 to 6 p.m. at the Hamden Town Office. More information at facebook.com slash hamdenfarmersmarket or hamdenfarmersmarket.com. Did you miss Awanajo Almanac last week or maybe that report on an important local issue that aired while you were busy? Did you know that you can listen to our locally produced news and public affairs programs and our short features whenever it's convenient for you by going to the WERU archives? Just go to WERU.org and click on the Public Affairs Audio Archives link. There you can explore locally produced news, public affairs, and short features dating back to 2006 and updated weekly. Use the search box to find the topic you're looking for or...